Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to Downey and Martez. We are a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. I am the Downey half of this duo, Trey Downey, and along with me every single week is the one and only Martez, Lynn Martez. Lynn, how are you doing today? You sure about that? Every week I'm going to be here? Good gracious. God. That's the plan. Thanks for the warning. Now, what's up, man? Let's roll. Let's talk a little football in May. We had a rookie camp this past week. Look at uh, about a little more than 25 guys, 26 guys. And uh, granted, a lot of them, you know, obviously were out there. One guy was was out there, but unfortunately he did as much as I did when it came to being on the field. And I'm talking about first round pick, Joe Tryon. But he'll have his shot. He'll have his time to uh to get ready to play some solid football here in Tampa Bay in 2021-22, baby. Well, the last two weeks, we talked about the NFL draft, and then last week we talked about the schedule release. But as Lynn mentioned, we're going to get into rookie camp today. Lynn was out there at rookie camp this past weekend, got his first chance to look at some of these guys in person. So we're going to get into that, and we'll start with we'll start with Joe Tryon. And you mentioned he was not uh, out there on the field doing anything physical, uh, did recently have a, a procedure done, and that's why he was not available to work out this time. But as you and I were texting back and forth talking about this, this is guys in shorts. Um, there's not a ton physical, especially at that position, that you're really doing uh, at this stage of camp. And it doesn't seem like it is any time long-term injury or anything like that. He'll be ready to go by the well before training camp. So from my perspective, I almost feel like it's, it's kind of a good thing that he didn't have to focus on that physical whatsoever and could just dive in mentally into Todd Bowles defense. Just what was your takeaway? And, you know, I, I know Bruce said that they were. The main thing is, is to get completely healthy. He's doing Two out of the three things for the most part. He's doing the meetings. He's at least seeing what's going on through the walkthroughs. But obviously, as we mentioned, because of the knee scope, he's not taking part of an actual physical practice and the actual physical play is a concern. But the thing that I like that came out of this past weekend was the fact that the coaching staff has told him, and this is straight from Joe Tryon, the coaching staff has told him, hey, we want you to learn not only outside, but inside. And what that does is obviously you give him more opportunities to play. And granted, he's a first-round pick. And granted, when you discuss, you know, who's going to get the most playing time, you would expect it to be your first-round pick. But the versatility of being able to move inside and outside gives him more opportunities to play a whole lot more in 2021, his rookie season. Not only that, but you're talking about the explosiveness to be able to play inside. If he's able to handle that play inside, and granted, there, be, there may be times where he's lining up against a guy that's going to take two blockers on, whether it be Indominus Sue or Vita Vare, this, this guy might line up one-on-one against you know, a guard, and you know there may be a whole lot of speed and explosiveness that that guard's going to have to handle, not to mention the fact that if you have Joe Tryon inside, someone like JPP or Shaq Barrett's going to be on the outside, who's probably going to take a whole lot more focus than Joe Tryon is going to, at least initially. So the fact that he's being asked to play inside, I like. I like a whole lot. No, I like that too. 
And what interests me about that is because when we were talking about him as the first round draft pick, we were talking about the versatility that he would bring to lineups on third down, because you're likely not going to have Will Golston out there on third down and a sure passing down. And we were talking about the possibility of JPP moving inside because you have an extra pass rusher to go on the outside. Now, if you're asking Tryon to be able to go inside too, that even creates more versatility between those two guys and where you put them. And I think that that's probably the best, you know, I guess front four, front five that you're going to see from this football team on third downs is when you have, you know, obviously Vea at the nose, you have Sue out there, and then you have all three of the guys that you would consider your premier pass rushers on this team, talking about Shaq Barrett, talking about JPP, and talking about Tryon now. And Shaq Barrett's not a guy that we're going to expect to, to move inside. He's played that kind of outside linebacker, edge rusher position his whole career, and the size is a little bit different uh, from, you know, what JPP is. And then obviously uh, we've seen the, the photos and what Joe Tryon on looks like. Is a bigger guy than Shaq Barrett. So that's 6'5, 260, baby. Yeah. 6'5, 260. Almost on the verge of not being able to make the heavyweight limit in uh, the without, UFC and boxing. Without, without a training camp. And don't, and don't, don't yeah. sell that short because that 6'5, 260 could easily go up to 270, 275, depending on, again, where they want him to play, whether it be outside or inside. More beef on that body and certainly if you look at him he's very lean so he can he can spare a few pounds and to put 15 pounds on him and then move him inside he probably won't lose a whole lot of speed and explosive he'll probably keep it and we we've, we've talked about you know some of this defensive line being on the last legs of their careers and you know when when he was drafted a lot of us said you know maybe he's the eventual successor to JPP but if he's going to put on weight and they're playing him inside this might be the eventual successor to Indomitian Sue instead. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. I'm very excited to see him out on the field. And I, for one, uh, am excited for him once the whole team gets around and he's able to learn from these older guys. Because as you mentioned this past weekend, it was just 25 or so guys, all rookies and invitees to this mini camp. So not a, it's not like you're, you're going under the learning tree of a Sue, of a JPP, of a Shaq Barrett just yet. But you did, but you were able to, you know, fully immerse yourself into the playbook and what the and what these coaches want to have you learn in your early stages as a Buccaneer. As I mentioned, I don't think it's a bad thing at all that he was not on the field in a physical manner because a lot of times when you have these young guys coming in, you know, like you said, it's only in shorts. You're, they're not doing a ton. They're going through walkthroughs and things like that. But you got to imagine maybe the pressure's off less because you're a first-round pick, but you want to impress somewhat physically. And if you're in try-on situation, you don't have to worry about that whatsoever. Your job coming here is just to immerse yourself mentally. And that is one of the biggest things as a, as a rookie in the NFL is being able to learn the complexities of these defenses, especially when you're talking about a guy in Todd Bowles who likes to use a bunch of different uh, blitz packages and things like that, and especially when you're wanting him to learn multiple positions as well, as you mentioned. Now, Joe Tryon was the first-round pick of the Buccaneers, but obviously, as we've gone through multiple times, 
the sexiest pick in this year's NFL draft was drafting Kyle Trask with the 64th overall pick, the last pick of the second round. A lot of people believe that he is the eventual successor to Tom Brady. And that was the storyline going into this weekend's rookie minicamp because Tryon wasn't on the field and people wanted to see, you know, what Kyle Trask looked like, even though you're not going to see a ton here, but also what Bruce Arians said about him and what they are throwing at a young quarterback in Kyle Trask. You and I have had had a heated back and forth about what we think that his future should be and how we're going to gauge that. We have very different opinions on it. But what was your impression of Kyle Trask and his first weekend here in Tampa Bay? And more importantly, from talking to Bruce Arians, what do you think that Bruce Arians' early impressions are now that he is officially the coach of Kyle Trask moving forward? First things first, uh, first things first, I pop a freak all the honeys. Uh, that's a little big and smalls for you. No, uh, first things first, let's talk about what Kyle Trask talked about on Friday regarding the fact that, you know, he wants to show since the draft process is over, he wants to show that there's some athleticism and, and that he leaned out. We talked about Joe Tryon maybe beefing up a little bit mm-hmm. from that 6'5", 260 to getting a little bit bigger once he gets inside that building. Well, one of the things that Trask wants to do is actually show more athleticism and to get a little leaner now that he's not at Florida and, and running that offense and he's running the offense in, uh, in Tampa Bay as a backup of potential third-string quarterback. With that, he also mentioned, Kyle Trask mentioned, the fact that some of the concepts for the offense is a little bit similar to what he ran in, in Florida. So that's also a good thing. But when it comes to his head coach now, Bruce Arians, when he talked about Kyle, he talked about a few things. One of the things he talked about is accuracy, which he liked. He talked, the fact, talked about the fact that he was able to process things quickly, which is something that you want to do at the next level. You got to do at the next level. You know, it's one thing to be in college and have a guy wide open. It's another thing to be in the NFL where guys obviously step up. You got you to have your reach. You got to work through your progressions. And I was watching that on Saturday, too, when I was out there watching Kyle work the process as far as the play is concerned. And slowly, just from a muscle memory standpoint, going through the process as far as the progressions are concerned, watching him take snaps and go through the progressions. Because, again, it may not be something that he totally has a lot of experience doing because of coming from college and moving to the NFL. But again, Bruce was impressed with him. Again, he talked about the fact that what you want is to have your guys be able to take stuff from the meetings and go out to the walkthroughs and then go out on the field and process it and get it out there. It's one thing to to go out there physically and work on your athletic ability. It's another thing to have the concepts of what the team wants to do on the football field, take it from the meeting to the football field. And Bruce was impressed with how Kyle Trask did that throughout the weekend. And the two biggest things that I'll take away from you on that, and one of them you mentioned that Kyle Trask wants to work on his athleticism and talking about the Bucks picking Kyle Trask and him possibly being the quarterback of the future for this football team. One of my biggest worries was his, I guess, perceived 
lack of athleticism. We didn't see him get out of the pocket a ton at Florida, which, you know, we've seen that in the past in Dan Mullen's offense at Mississippi State. So I was a little bit worried about the lack of mobility. So Kyle Trask, you know, obviously not just hearing for, from us in the media, but him wanting to work on that and being able to move around a little bit more in the pocket is something I'm intrigued by and something that I'll look to see more of once we get out to training camp and then get into the preseason when he's going to be able to be on the football field. And you mentioned going through the progressions and talking about a guy coming into the NFL, you mentioned the biggest thing is learning, especially when you're a quarterback. And Bruce Arians is not a guy to sugarcoat things. He'll tell you, he'll tell you straight up. He's not one to, you know, just puff out guys' chests. So if Kyle Trask was picking up those things quickly, I completely buy that at face value. And you mentioned not really having to go through those progressions and do that in college, because a lot of times in college, especially in an offense like Dan Mullen, where you're getting the the ball out of your hands very quickly, which is something that Tom Brady has brought into this Bucks offense a little bit. But uh, in talking about that, you're not going through the progressions. You're going to your first read most of the time. So yes, this is very early on, but him having that capability and doing it very early gives me more hope for what I think should be his future. I don't know that if it's going to be any kind of competition between him and Blaine Gabbert once we get into camp, but even if it's not, from my perspective and hoping that he is the eventual successor to Tom Brady, even if it's not a competition, I would hope that Kyle Trask shows that he does have the capability and possibly even beat out Blaine Gabbert for that backup uh, quarterback competition. Even if Bruce Arians and this coaching staff isn't going in to camp thinking that it is a competition. So that's my biggest takeaway when it comes to that. And like I mentioned with Tryon, not having, you know, the older guys to to learn from. He Kyle Trask did mention that he has been in contact with Tom Brady. So once he's able to get into that quarterback room and not just learn from Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and those guys, once you're able to go under the ultimate learning tree, that is Tom Brady, uh, that's going to be extremely beneficial for him as we get further into this offseason and into training camp and in to uh, preseason and eventually into the regular season. Now, those were the two guys that everybody had their eye on uh, this past weekend. And it's hard to tell, you know, rookies going against rookies as far as who catches whose eyes. But in speaking to Bruce Arians after practice, Len, was there anybody else that he, you know, because a lot of times you'll see coaches go out of their way to mention specific guys. Or was he asked about a guy and responded in a way where you could tell he was really impressed with a, a different rookie at rookie minicamp this past weekend. Yeah, each day there was there was two guys. Um, well, I should say each day he mentioned one guy each day. And the first guy he mentioned on Friday was KJ Britt, the linebacker, fifth round pick, who, and we talked about it. We did our podcast after the whole draft class was done. And we talked about, and I certainly mentioned the fact of the emphasis that this coaching staff put on leadership, put on guys in the latter part of, of their draft selections. They drafted guys who play all four seasons. Yep. And KJ Britt is one of those guys. And Bruce mentioned him on Friday regards to he talks like a football player. He walks like a football player. Everything about him says football player. And Bruce also mentioned the, 
the high level of respect he has for the Auburn program, which KJ played under. And obviously we know the D-backs that came from Auburn and play with the Buccaneers now, Jamel Dean and, and Carlton Davis. But KJ Britt, as Bruce mentioned about walking and talking like a football player, you talk to him and you listen to him speak, kid is beyond his views. And he's a guy that I'm going to enjoy getting, being around inside that locker room at, at some point, but also just being around at camp because for me, he gets it. He gets it. When he got drafted, what did he talk about doing? I play special teams. I just want to hit someone. That's a football player. Then that's, that's coming from Bruce, but also when you sit around a guy, you talk to a guy, you Zoom call as we do these days, you're getting – you're getting that emphasis that he is a, a football player. And you can tell just based on his, his conversation with the media on Friday that there's, a, again, a level of leadership. He talks about, well, you know, what makes you a leader? Relationships, going out and creating relationships. Trey, you and I are older men. It's not the first thing you think of when you think whoa, of Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't age me just I yet. I said there, older man. men, older men. Older. I didn't say you were old. I said you you and I are older men, as in older than KJ. Okay. Relax. Okay. So, but my point is when first we time think 30's about, been called older. When we think about leadership, I mean the first thing that comes to my mind is is my own personal characteristics. He's talking about creating relationships with others. Yeah. That's a guy that gets it. And that's why I brought that up. The other guy that Bruce mentioned on, on Saturday was Jalen Darden, the wide receiver from uh, North Texas, who was second in the nation in touchdowns in 2020 with 19, but also as a special teams guy's comfortable returning punts. Darden talked about that. Bruce talked about that, the explosiveness, the quickness. But he also talked about the fact that Darden's a little bit, he may be 5'9", 170, 175, but he's a little bit thicker than a guy that size. Bruce mentioned Scooter, Scotty Miller. And when Scotty Miller first got to Tampa, first got to the Advent Health Training Center, how he was a little bit, kind of like a guy, he was small, so he could get bumped around a little bit because he wasn't as thick as Darden is, and he's not as thick as one being in the league a couple of years now. Came out of college, that thickness wasn't there. He's got more size to him now, evident that touchdown catch. Uh, against Green Bay at halftime, that uh, I don't even want to call it a Hail Mary because Scotty Miller no. just ran past his guy. But point being is the fact that there was a time where you could get your hands on Scotty Miller and push him around a little bit because it was his first time in the NFL and he hadn't got part of the program yet, didn't get the size yet, the thickness yet. Came from a Darden, smaller program in college as well. Similar thing with Darden. But Darden already has that thickness that Bruce mentioned. He, he mentioned the fact that he can't get pushed around. And when you have the explosiveness that he has, the quickness that he has, and you can't get pushed around, <laughs> that's a heck of a formula to have in a receiver that may end up being your sixth guy, but there's questions about whether or not you're actually going to have your third receiver because he supposedly is, hasn't signed his contract yet, just had surgery on Tuesday. So there's a lot of things still to work out when it comes to the wide receivers. But Jalen Darden is going to play a factor in 2021, whether it's be on the field as far as a regular offense or on special teams, which is another emphasis they made in the draft. Special teams. You're going to play 25, 30 plays, yep. right? 
This is a this is an opportunity for rookies to make the team and to have an emphasis on the game, having a have an effect on the game. And Bruce mentioned that factor too about these special team guys that are here that have played four years of college. And KJ Britt's one of those guys that says openly, I played special teams all four years of college. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you mentioned the wide receiver. We're going to get to the Antonio Brown uh, saga uh, as it turns in the hourglass saga. once again. Yeah, it's, uh, that's just like watching Days of Our Lives. With as General the Hoss. world turns. Yeah. As the Antonio turns. Yeah, we're going to get to that in, in just a minute. But uh, you mentioned that wide receiver room is going to be extremely crowded. You've got the five guys that you definitely think are going to make this team. And then Darden, I mean, you're competing with guys like Justin Watson, who has years of experience playing on special teams and we've seen him make big tackles for this football team but obviously Watson doesn't have the same skill set as Darden does as a kick returner which is something that the Bucks still haven't been able to nail down uh, over the past couple of years as far as a reliable guy that you're going to have back there every time there's a punt or a kickoff so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out uh, another name that I want to mention and something uh, from these zoom calls over this past week finally getting a chance to you know talk and hear from some of these rookies that I liked and it's another guy that we're expecting to play on play on special teams and something that he specifically said and that's Wilcox the cornerback from uh, from BYU and on draft night I was going over his size and his speed and things like that and what's the one thing you said to me you said that's a gunner in the NFL. What did he say in talking to the media this past weekend? He said, I want to be a gunner for this football team. He specifically mentioned that. So it's, I love the mindset that a lot of these rookies are coming into here in Tampa Bay, especially, as I mentioned, you, you're a 6-2 corner that has sub 4-4 speed. That's a guy that you want him as a gunner, but with those kind of measurables, he did have you know, injury troubles in, in college, but that's a guy that you could even have in the, in the rotation as far as a DB, but him saying, I want to be a gunner. That's how you make the football team. And then you impress them with your coverage skills after that. Well, beyond that too, you, you mentioned Wilcox, but another guy that was drafted in the, in the seventh round who could make an impact on the special teams on his football team in 2021 is Grant Stewart. Yeah. Who's openly said, any way they, any way they want to use me, any way they want me to play, I'm here this weekend playing some linebacker, but I'm going to be in a linebacker room with Devin White and Levante David. So he likes playing special teams. And he mentioned the fact that he likes it because of matchups and the mismatch he brings to other guys, meaning he's going up against someone else, another opponent, 2021, whatever week it is, he's on special teams. He openly says a wide receiver or defensive back on that other team that plays special teams is not strong enough to handle me. And he openly said, when it came to matchups, if I end up running up against another linebacker, that guy's not fast enough to handle me. That's the mindset that, again, for you players who've played special teams, Bring the Tampa Bay in 2021. Again, an emphasis to guys who can play 25 to 30 plays every Sunday or Monday or Thursday and have an impact on the game. 
that confidence reminds me of another guy that's on this Bucks defense already in the promo that Carlton Davis cut on the media in his conference call on draft night. And we've seen what he has turned into, but we're going to move on from the rookies here for just a minute. And we mentioned as the Antonio turns Antonio Brown, just another step in the saga. We thought a couple of weeks ago that all of the, you know, the questions, whether he would return to this football team were finally answered right before the draft. Uh, and because of that, I thought it wasn't necessarily a given that the Bucks would even draft a wide receiver, but then they did fairly early in Jalen Darden. And now we find out that Brown isn't officially a member of the Buccaneers just yet because his contract is pending a physical and he has not passed that physical yet because he just had surgery uh, a few days ago earlier this week. And not only that, another step in the Antonio Brown saga, he is facing another civil lawsuit from last year as well. More legal troubles from the embattled wide receiver Antonio Brown. I think he does pass the physical, and I think he's in this building at some point, Lynn. But if you ask me once the Bucks, you know, officially announced that they re-signed him, I thought that they're, I'm like, there's a 100% chance he's on this opening day roster. But you combine the fact that he did just have knee surgery, and you combine that with, with more legal troubles. We've seen, you know, it's, maybe I'm putting too much into it, but it's still – it's extremely weird to me that you've got three quarterbacks from your football team and Mike Evans at a UFC event in Jacksonville and Antonio Brown's there as well. And he's sitting with, you know, so you want all, you know, for all, you know, they shared drinks and they hey, sat in their seats. But Lynn, let's be honest. I mean, were, the, you, in, were you in the green room? No, were, but you the, in, were you in the, were you in the lobby? I, no. Maybe if Antonio left the Paul brothers, but I don't see uh, I don't see Tom Brady hanging out with with uh, with Jake Paul. I'll just okay, say that. But maybe he did. Maybe maybe he did leave and, and have a drink with, with okay. his teammates, Super Bowl winning teammates. Okay, so I'll I'll pose the question to you this way: Is in your mind is the percentage that he is on this football team opening night against the Dallas Cowboys has that lowered? any since he signed his contract a couple of weeks ago if if you tell him if he's saying 100 percent prior to finding out that he hasn't signed his contract yet pending a physical i would tell you 95 percent 90 percent as would be as low as i go here's the thing about the legal issue though and lord knows i'm gonna get on the soapbox for a second <laughs> there are two things at least two things i do not like discussing one is stadium talk, and the other is legal issues. That's why I didn't get into a ton of the specifics. No, that's fine. That's fine. But let me explain why. Those two things I don't like discussing, you want to know why? Because just like Brad Pitt said in the movie Moneyball, told one of his scouts, you act like you know, and you don't know. Yeah. All of us that do podcasts and do sports radio, whatever it is, TV. We act like we know, but we don't know. You don't know the legal issues and how things are going to work out. And you don't know about stadiums. I've been in two baseball markets where we've talked stadium for weeks, for months, for years. years. Thank you. 
And I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna rehash the whole Tampa Bay situation about their stadium. Remember that? Remember that glowing press conference? I'll leave it at that. Okay. Still waiting for the stadium to be built, but we were all experts. We thought the stadium was going up. Again, two things I do not like discussing legal issues, stadiums, because you just don't know. With that, I will say this much he's already been suspended for the lawsuit that is out now. The, the conduct issue that he had for the eight games that he missed last year, that was for the same lawsuit now. Oh, I thought it, I thought it was, di- I thought the one that he just no, settled was no. the one that he, I thought that this one was one that was just filed. No, I thought it was different. No, okay, so no. you're telling, ta- so you do his, know, Lynn, you do no, know. I don't know, I know what everyone else knows. I don't act like I know everything. I, I, people act like they know and they, and they go on these things. And listen, when it comes to, at least my approach to doing stuff like this, mm-hmm. podcast, sports radio, it's strong opinions on facts, but there you. are times you don't have all the facts and you know what you do, you don't talk about it. Just like stadium and legal issues. You and I, you are a, a, a brand new dad yep. of, a, of, a, of a young, beautiful girl. I'm a man of, of a household growing up, seven women, okay? I say that because when it comes to legal issues involving women, I respect the heck out of it. And you know what I do? I leave it alone until the facts come out because I wasn't there. (laughs) So when somebody says something, I don't act like I know what, what they're talking about. No, I leave that alone. My approach to doing what we do is about having strong opinions on facts. When I watch a guy throw for 300 yards, and he was 25 or 30, and he had four TDs, and didn't throw an interception, you know what I say? Damn, that guy was good today. The simple facts. So again, when it comes to AB, the percentage of him being on the field that opening night, Thursday night against the Cowboys, I'm thinking it might have gotten lowered because he hasn't signed his contract yet, and he's pending a physical. But those are things, again, that's simple terms, lack of a better term, is just red tape. Because for all the conspiracy theories that are out there about, well, you know, the Bucks didn't want to let other teams know that they were going to draft a wide receiver. So they let teams, they let teams think that everything with AB was fine. You better ask number 12 if that sits well with him. <laughs> because there's a certain number 12 in Green Bay that is basically packing his things because the team wasn't square with him. And you know what the Bucks want to avoid? They want to avoid not being square with their number 12. And that's why you have a general manager that comes out and says, Tom is telling you when he's not going to play anymore. And again, if Tom wants... 81 on this football team, guess where 81 is going to be? On this football team. So again, if something else comes out besides what we know already when it comes to Antonio Brown, he's already served his suspension for the second lawsuit that's come out 
involving movers and cussing yep. people out and all that. And kind with of his stuff. trainer. But that was, again, that was why he was suspended for the eight games in 2020. See, you told me something I didn't know today because I, I was under the impression that it was the the sexual assault uh, lawsuit that he just recently settled last month the that NFL, he was suspended the for NFL last kinda, year. It all, came, it all came at once. Yeah. The, the, you know, the potential arrest, the potential, potential assault on the movers and, and cussing that guy out and whatever it was and the, the sexual assault case allegations all came at once. So the NFL said, eight games. We'll see you. <laughs> we'll see you week nine. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just an, another day, another another something is up with is up with Antonio Brown. And obviously with the money that they gave him, it's obviously an incentive laden contract. And you mentioned what he would have done if he would have played the entire season last year. But I'm more interested in seeing, you know, he did get, you know, a fair amount of targets and things like that in the playoffs once Chris Godwin was healthy. But I'm going to be interested to see once we get into the regular season, if a younger guy like Tyler Johnson continues to progress and maybe he takes some of Antonio Brown's uh, playing time what the conversation is like and what it's like in the locker room with Antonio Brown. I'm just still under, you know, the, the entire thing of, I don't necessarily think that it's worth it. I think that we're still here talking about the Bucks as Super Bowl champions, likely even if they didn't, didn't sign Antonio Brown uh, during the season last year. I just, I don't know. I don't think that it's worth the headache, but during the season last year, we didn't hear anything about him being a problem in the locker room so you know maybe once we get into the season he's not hanging out with the paul brothers anymore okay but hold on here hold on here because far be it for me to be ab's guess mouthpiece hype guy you're his advocate what uh, okay i'll be I'll, i'll be his paul Heyman. what's the what's the headache what's the headache no i'm saying during the regular during the regular season last year he wasn't but I'm talking about as as far as you know, you mentioned that this case this case isn't anything anything new. But what we've seen him be in the past on the field, and you know what he's altercations he's been involved in, not just not just off the field, but with teammates and things like that, and how he acted in Pittsburgh with the emergence of Juju Smith Schuster. Antonio Brown as a whole, yes, people can change, but I personally, considering that we always talk about how crowded this wide receiver room is, I just, I didn't think that it was worth any kind of risk for him stirring up anything in this locker room, and especially considering comments that Bruce Arians had made about him in the past in their time together. Okay. Do you remember the word that you didn't want to be associated? with about 10 15 minutes ago old that's the antonio brown stuff you're bringing up old it's old stuff dude all the stuff you brought up the facebook and the the facebook and live and in the locker room the juju smith schuster stuff that's old stuff are we we not past that stuff i was just saying in general that I what that I still don't think that I don't 
He did it last year because of Chris Godwin's injury in the regular season. That was possibly needed. Maybe Tyler Johnson wasn't ready. I thought bringing him back isn't isn't worth it. I think that the Bucks have enough wide receiver talent. And okay, but he's back. So now you got to move on. Yeah, we've got to. Are you going to walk around waiting for the next bomb to drop? Because if that's the case, you don't sign the guy. You can't live your life like that. You can't run a team like that. Okay. I just think I think that that's how the Bucks should have approached the situation to begin with. But again, that's, he's already showing you if you get yeah, him inside your no, building for sure, for half a season and throughout the playoffs for sure that he's. I'm not telling you he's a quiet boy because I don't because I, I wasn't around. Yeah, but I can I can at least tell you that if he didn't, if he didn't get in that locker room and stay within the parameters, and I mean from a from a football standpoint of that football team. You don't think there would have been guys in that locker room that would have said, yo, we need to get this guy out of here. He's not worth it. This is in Pittsburgh. See, in Pittsburgh, there was a whole lot more of what Antonio Brown meant to that football team. You just broke it down in regards to what he means to this football team here in Tampa Bay. He's a third wide receiver. He might even get 1,000 yards this year in 2021, but that's if he acts right. And if he doesn't act right, again, you know what those guys in that locker room would do if he doesn't act right? They're going to ask to get rid of him because they don't need him. And of course, he's under a microscope because of the opinion that Bruce Arians had of him in the past. But hopefully this will be a non-story once we get into the season, just like it was last year. How many more times are you going to bring it up? That's what I got. That's my question. Hopefully there'll be no. No, 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 no. I'm asking you. If things stay the same. If things stay the same, how many more times are you going to bring it up? Zero. I'll talk about what he's doing on the field. Okay, we'll see. I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah. And like I said, far be it for me to be his advocate. But it's a matter of when you choose to move on from something. You got to move on. No, I'm with you. And I spoke out last year when the rumors were surrounding that they were going to sign him. And I was even critical of the signing when it happened. But then once he was signed and for the duration of the season last year, I didn't say anything about not liking the signing. I'm just <laughs> going to now. Yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> when the it guy gets his knee surgery. <laughs> and once it was a, I mean, it was a story. It was a decision again for the football team this off season. So it was worth, it was worth talking about. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. yeah we'll we'll see where it goes in the future but just really quickly before we uh before we close out here you talked about being old uh the quarterback for the Buccaneers is is old and that's Tom Brady and we didn't get into this over the past month or so here on uh Downey and Martez a Bucks Nation podcast by the way go to bucksnation.com and you can check out you know Tons of stories from this past week, rookie minicamp. Jalen Darden, as we've talked about today, he just signed his rookie deal today with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, on Wednesday. So plenty of stuff over on BucksNation.com. But Len, we're going to talk about something really quickly because there were other bigger items to get to. And that's the fact that the NFL loosened their restrictions on what numbers different positions could wear. Tom Brady was probably the most vocal opponent of this, uh, speaking out on social media against something that the NFL did, which is not something Tom Brady typically does. Uh, I think that it's kind of a kind of a fuddy-duddy thing. He mentioned that it's going to be, 
you know, hard for linemen to know who to block. Let's be honest. This happens for most of most of their careers. I mean, they've been in the NFL. Obviously, older linemen have been blocking, you know, and players in the 90s numbers for a long time. But it's not something new to them. And they're obviously still going to be wearing uh, different jerseys. For me personally, I still think it's going to be weird to see defensive linemen wearing single digit numbers, but I didn't think whatsoever it was anything to get up in arms about like uh, Mr. Brady was. Do you care? I'm not here to to bash the seven-time Super Bowl champion, but I will say this much. What number did Joe Tryon wear in college? Nine. They block him just fine in college football. (laughs) So why can't you do it in the NFL? And, And granted, some might say, if you're if you're a an old school college football fan, certainly if you're a, an old school college football coach, you might say the game's kind of changed a little bit when it comes to college football, especially offensive line play. So yeah, theoretically, they stand up in different positions, but at the end of the play, you know what they do? They try as hell to block and protect the quarterback. Yep. No matter what number that guy's wearing. So they do it just fine. The college level. There's no reason why. And I know the game is faster and it's a little more complex than the NFL. But Tom, you've done everything in this game that you wanted to do, with the exception of maybe being, you know, undefeated in Super Bowls. Dude, you've done everything. So, you know, get the ball out a little bit quicker. Your guys are going to block for you. They do it every Sunday, every Sunday. They're going to protect the hell out of you. There's no concern. If that's your biggest concern, if that really is his biggest concern, the fact that they don't know who they're going to block, they may not know who they're going to block, but they will tell you one thing. They know who they're going to protect, and that's 12. Well, and let's be honest. Look at probably Jadavian Clowney, worst single digits in, in college. I don't think that that was the reason why he was a defensive player that we were talking about should possibly win the Heisman Trophy. When Clowney's still on the field, people are going to know who Clowney is and that they should block. And talking about the number chases, a couple of Buccaneers have taken advantage of that on the offensive side of the ball. Playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, not Len Martez, Leonard Fournette is going back to his signature number seven that he wore at LSU. And then Jalen Darden, who just signed today with the Buccaneers, he is going to wear number one for the Buccaneers. Got something I will to say? say yeah, no, I will say this much. I'm wondering if I should actually say this. Well, heck, I'm already there. I can't do that because there are people that do that and I, and I hate the heck out of that. <laughs> um, I saw him wear one on Saturday and I said, man, he looks a little like Deshaun in that one. And that's and a guy who's gonna who's already mentioned that he's very excited to possibly go back to that number finally in the NFL. Obviously, you want things to work out better than they did here in Tampa Bay for Darden than they did for Deshaun. But I will say this much, and this isn't so much a shot at Deshaun Jackson. That's neither here nor there. Again, that draft class, it's a grown-up group of guys, man. They handled themselves well. They've been handling themselves well throughout the draft process. 
being here for the rookie uh, mini camp. And, you know, I'm not wishing anything negative on those guys because I think they come with the positive attitudes. And like I said earlier, some of my guys are 22, 23 years old. You know, this isn't as much as I love the NBA. This isn't the NBA guys leaving school the freshman year and just going one year because they can't come directly out to the end of, to the NBA. These kids are, these kids are grown, man. They're grown. So it's, it's a good thing to see. And again, they will have an impact. I personally think there are guys that we've been talking about since the draft that will have a big impact on the special teams moving forward in 2021 for the Buccaneers. And that'll be huge for the Buccaneers. You're talking about a team that has no weaknesses. If they're adding more strengths, it's going to be scary to see what this football team can be like in 2021. That's going to do it for this week's show. Just a reminder, Twitter, that's where you can hear our thoughts throughout the week or see our thoughts, interact with us. Lynn, you can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. You can follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience. And you can follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. That's where you'll see all the latest articles and everything going on at BucksNation.com. The offseason continues to roll along, and we'll be with you every single week this offseason moving forward. Something that, you know, is still a story this week, became a story right before the draft that I want to get into next week with Lynn. We're going to talk about one of the Bucks' biggest rivals in their own division, the Atlanta Falcons, and the possibility of a Julio Jones trade, as that was more in the media this week. And we'll talk about how much of a difference that could make for Atlanta moving forward and what options are there, who would be a good fit for Julio Jones. I know that's not going to be that hard to find when you're talking about one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. That and more coming next week. He's Lynn Martez. I'm Trey Downey. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.